0: All right, so we're continuing our series called I Didn't Say That, and it's all about these ideas or sayings or thoughts that get attributed to God but aren't actually in the Bible that God didn't actually say. And the reason we're doing this is because oftentimes it's our wrong thinking about God and His will, the way He works, those types of things that create stumbling blocks in our ability to love Him and trust in Him. And so today we're going to focus on what Jesus did not say about forgiveness. Now, I want to launch into this with this thought. I want you to think of somebody that you know who's kind of a little bit annoying on Facebook, that Facebook annoying friend. And let me tell you what Jesus didn't say. Jesus did not say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they post. Okay, he didn't say that for all the Facebook annoying people out there. Jesus also didn't say, fool me once and I'll forgive you. Fool me twice and I'll give you hemorrhoids. He didn't say that. I might have if I had his power, but he didn't say that. You know, God also never ever said, sorry, you have sinned too much for me to forgive you. You Everybody else I can forgive, but you really get on my nerves. Jesus never said that. God never said that. And we can be so thankful for the grace that is ours as believers in Jesus Christ, that he has forgiven us free of charge by faith in his sacrifice on the cross. So we're thankful for that as believers. We're thankful for the forgiveness that we have. But let's talk a little bit about what Jesus did say on the topic of forgiveness. Over in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. And in the midst of this teaching about prayer, Jesus adds a little PS, a little postscript, a couple of sentences about the topic of forgiveness. And that's what we're going to focus on today. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Now, let me stop there because this is where it gets kind of interesting. And up in front, let me highlight a few things again that Jesus didn't say. Jesus is not going to say here, forgive us our debts, even though we're still holding a grudge against somebody else. Jesus is not going to say, I'll forgive you, but you can forgive others if you feel like it or not. No. What Jesus is going to say is this. This is verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And then in verse 14, Jesus gives additional insights, some thoughts on forgiveness. This is what Jesus did say. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. Okay, that's what Jesus said. Some very intense, very sobering words here. Now, let me just make something crystal clear up front here. Jesus is not saying that your eternal destiny is dependent on how well you're able to forgive other people. It's not what he means here. Okay, 150 times in the New Testament, we're clearly told that salvation is a free gift received by faith in Jesus. And the minute you put your faith in Jesus Christ for your salvation, your sins are forgiven. You're given the gift of eternal life in heaven. See, this is not talking about the justifying eternal forgiveness that we often think of when we see that word forgive. Words have different meanings in the Bible based on their context. Just like in English, it has to Come back to the context in which we're speaking to really figure out what that word means. However, what this verse is saying is that our relationship with our Heavenly Father here on earth will be hindered if we don't forgive those who have offended us, if we hold grudges against people who have offended us. It's not an eternal forgiveness. It is a relational forgiveness. It affects our relationship with other people and our relationship with our Heavenly Father. You know, John says something similar in 1 John 1.9. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So that's what this verse means in relationship with God. It affects our ongoing fellowship with him. Now, just me reading these words of Jesus about forgiveness may create an unsettling feeling in some of you. Because if you're honest with yourself, suddenly you realize that these sobering words of Jesus might have a direct application in your life. That that maybe, just maybe, you're holding a grudge against somebody else. Maybe you have some unforgiveness in your heart. Maybe you have a grievance against someone who has wronged you, someone who's hurt you, someone who's disappointed you, someone who has let you down or betrayed you. You know, over the years, whenever I speak on this topic, forgiving others, it creates a lot of emotion, and rightly so. I mean, inevitably, I'll get emails or phone calls or people will come up to me all riled up and say, but Brian, you don't know what this person did to me. I was talking with a guy just a couple of weeks ago and he's devastated. His wife has cheated on him. <clears throat> he's getting a divorce and he's just filled with pain. And asking him to forgive in a moment like that might seem a little cruel, especially with the emotion that he's under. And maybe some of you have experienced something similar in your life. Maybe a friend, a best friend, lied to you or lied about you. Or or maybe there's someone in your life that you loved and trusted. Maybe a trusted Christian figure, a hero in your life who let you down. They weren't who they pretended to be. Maybe there's somebody who owed you money and they didn't pay you back and they left you in a really tough situation. Maybe somebody broke a promise to you. Maybe someone took advantage of you, used you for their own benefit. Now, maybe there was someone that should have been loving and protecting you, but rather than protecting you, they actually harmed you in some way. I know that for so many of you, you have suffered some very real abuse, verbal, emotional, physical, maybe even sexual abuse. And here you are years later, maybe even decades later, and you're still carrying that pain. You still have those scars. So if you feel like in your heart, that's just not fair. You don't know what that person did to me. I shouldn't have to forgive them. I want to acknowledge your pain right now. Now, there are a lot of wrongs in this world. And it may be that what happened to you was grossly unfair, brutal. It may be evil and vile, what that person did to you. And I want to acknowledge that pain. I also want to acknowledge that there's a whole other level of pain. Because in my life, there have been people who have hurt me, and, and that stings to a certain degree, and it's tough to forgive them. But, but honestly, when I think about it, when people hurt somebody I love, abuse somebody I love, it's like a whole deeper level of emotion that gets stirred up there. Now, I've done a lot of counseling in my days. I've heard a lot of painful, painful stories. And when I do, it tears me up. I mean, we're talking about stories of verbal, physical, emotional abuse, rape, those kinds of things, and it just fires me up on the inside, You know, I just get really, really intensely angry at that kind of stuff. And rightly so. I believe God gets angry when that stuff happens. When it happens to somebody who's really, really close to me, it kind of rips my heart out. And I'm not talking about trivial stories here, okay? We're talking abuse at the hands of a family member or a teacher, a leader, maybe even a pastor, somebody that little children should be able to trust. You know, environments like the home that should be a safe haven. And then when the victim comes forward and tells their story, nobody believes them or gets swept under the rug, or maybe they're accused of fabricating or exaggerating the story. In fact, sometimes even the victim ends up getting painted as the villain in the whole scenario. You talk about injustice, and God wants us to forgive that. And how do you forgive something so brutally wrong from someone you trusted, maybe even respected? How can you do what Jesus is asking you to do right here? Well, there's a clue in the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew 6, 9. Jesus said, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. Now, I want you to say that wherever you're listening to this right now, I want you to say, our Father. Our Father. Now, it's interesting to me that Jesus would teach us to pray this way. Jesus was so personal. He encouraged a personal relationship with God. Why wouldn't He say, my Father? I think there's a reason here. It's because he's not just my heavenly father, he's your heavenly father too. He's our heavenly father. We share him in common. And because he is our heavenly father, that means we are his children. And so our relationships with our siblings, they matter to God deeply. Now that makes sense to me as a dad. And Wendy and I, we had two boys and growing up like all brothers, they would fight with each other. You know, the typical stuff, like on road trips, everything can be fine until one of them screams, you know, he touched me, get your hands off me, you hit me, that kind of stuff. And it was always kind of like, you know, the soccer match where one player barely bumps into another and the guy flops on the ground. So our kids would be flopping in the middle of the back backseat. And, and like the typical dad, I would be saying and doing the stupid things, waving my hand back there, trying to smack one of them, you know, saying stuff like, I'll turn this car around right here. And they're like, Dad, we're in the middle of Wyoming. Where are we going to go, right? Now, for Wendy and I, that would just drive us crazy. We didn't like it. It burdened our hearts when our kids would fight, not just because of the tension we had to deal with, but because our hearts wanted them to get along. Now, on the flip side, on the other hand, you know, it brought us so much joy when our kids would treat each other with love and honor and respect. And actually today, our sons are like best of friends they even schedule an annual road trip together, ironically enough. Every year they get together and hang out. Now, I want you to think about this. When we pray, we are praying to our Father. See, our relationship with God's other children matters to God. They're our siblings. Maybe that's why Jesus said this in Matthew 5, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar, first go and be reconciled to them, then come back and offer your gift. What was Jesus saying here? Essentially, he's saying, if you're going to worship your heavenly dad, don't go bringing him an offering when you're fighting with his kids. Go get that straightened out first because that matters to the heart of God. Get things right with, with your siblings, with God's other children, then come and worship him. Now, think about this. Who does unforgiveness hurt? Well, if God is our heavenly father, then it actually hurts his heart when his children are not treating each other with love, with honor, with respect. And who else does unforgiveness hurt? It hurts the person who is not forgiving. It poisons their soul. You're walking around, and you're carrying this grudge. You're carrying this bitterness. You find yourself seething in anger at somebody. They don't even know that you're thinking about them. See, when we live with bitterness and resentment and hatred, then we continue to let that wound just fester and get more and more infected, and it poisons us. And I would say this. When you don't forgive, you end up living in a prison of offense. When you don't forgive, you end up living in a prison of offense. Locked from the inside. Somebody did something wrong to you, and it may have been weeks ago, months ago, years ago, even decades ago, and you're still holding on to that. You're still locked in that prison of offense. Well, forgiveness is the key that opens that door and sets you free. Many, many years ago, I was just out of high school, I went to study music at a school out in Hollywood, California ended up developing a friendship out there with a guy named Nick. He and I hung out together. We had a good time together, and we were good friends. And when I got ready to move back to Houston, I graduated from the school. I had too much stuff in my car, and I decided I would sell him my stereo system. He really wanted to buy it. He said, great, I'll buy this from you. And he paid me half there, okay? And then he agreed to pay me the other half when I got back to Houston. Okay? I never saw the money. And a couple of times when I got back, I would call him and say, hey, how's it going? When are you going to send that money out? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll get it to you. I'll get it to you. He never sent it. Eventually, he stopped answering my calls. And you know what really bothered me? It wasn't the 100 bucks that he owed me. It was kind of the injustice, the betrayal of it all. And over time, I noticed that there was this bitterness, this unforgiveness just building up inside of me. And finally, at some point, I said, you know what? I've had enough of this. I am tired of this eating me alive. And so in my heart, I made a conscious decision to just gift him that stereo system. I said, you know what? He was a friend. I don't need the money. Anyhow, I'm just going to consider this a gift. Now, he didn't know I did that. I haven't spoken to him since, but immediately it was like I felt free. All of a sudden, it changed my perspective. It freed me from that prison of offense. And I would say this, if you're living in a prison of offense, forgiveness is is the key that unlocks that door. Forgiveness can set you free. And I know, I know, some of you are going to be out there going, yeah, that's a good story. Good for you, Brian. But I'm not there yet. What do I do with with this bitterness I have, this anger that I have, this, this hurt that's inside of me? How do I deal with that? Well, a little earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, this is what Jesus said. He said, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies, and here it is, pray for those who persecute you. And what do you do when you're hurt, you're angry, you're bitter? Try praying for that person. Pray for the one who hurt you. Pray for the one who offended you. Yeah, pray for the one who even abused you. You say, well, I don't feel like praying. I understand. But if you wait until you feel like praying, you'll wait forever, and you'll stay in that prison. At some point, I would say, just try it by faith. You know, pray for the one who hurts you. Pray for your enemies. Pray for those who curse you. Now, I get it. At first, it's probably not going to be heartfelt. Right? The prayer is going to be kind of like, God, just get them back. Right? Smite them, Lord. That's okay. All right. Over time, your heart will change. If you keep praying over time, your heart will soften until you gradually get to that point where you can genuinely pray that God works in that person's heart, in that person's life. You know, here's what I've found when it comes to forgiving those who have hurt you. I've found that when you pray for others, pray for those who hurt you, they may or may not change, but it'll always change Now, I put this in your notes. Your prayer may or may not change others, but it always changes you. That's good, isn't it? Now, I want you right now to check out a little video testimony. It's from a young gal who attends a church, Hope Community Church. And she learned how the power of prayer could really help in the process of forgiveness. Check this out.
1: Um, January twentieth, two 2005, started out as a pretty normal day. I was a high school senior. I was concerned with applying to schools and getting into college. Um, I had gone to basketball practice. I was the manager of the boys' varsity basketball team. And the coach had let us out of practice early that night so that we could go to the girls' basketball game. So I was on my way home to have dinner with my family and get ready for the game. I was hit by a drunk driver. He ran through an intersection and hit my car on my driver's side door. So when the car spun around and flipped three times, it landed on its roof in a ditch and the glass shattered and the airbag is what held me in place. It was held in place between my seatbelt and the airbag. I was transported to three different hospitals within the first 12 hours. The pain and emotion involved in the healing process is something that I'll never forget. I spent my spring break having surgery, Um, I missed graduation practice, Um, there were countless surgeries and procedures and hundreds of stitches and months of recovery time. I feel like my self-esteem plummeted. Every time I looked in the mirror I saw pieces of glass and scars that were still lodged in my face and I wouldn't go anywhere without makeup on. I constantly tried to cover it up and hide and I I was self-conscious. Instead of appreciating the fact that I was alive and I was able to walk and see, all I could think about was that I was the most unlucky person in the world. All I could think about was what I missed out on and days that I could never get back. I hated the man who hit me. He ruined my life and I hated him. I was filled with bitterness and resentment and he he ruined my life. He took things away from me that I felt I couldn't get back. I missed out on my senior year of high school and every time I looked in the mirror I saw scars and I saw pain and suffering and I didn't think that I would ever be able to forgive him for that. I was voted prom queen that spring. Um, It was a moment that most 18-year-old girls could dream of, and all I could think of was that people only voted for me because they felt sorry for me, and as I stood on stage, all I could think was if people could see my scars as every camera flashed. And I had applied for colleges. for the fall, and I was scheduled to take SAT 2s the weekend after the accident. And I had to withdraw my applications from my top colleges that required those scores for admission. So that fall, I attended my last choice school, which just caused the bitterness and resentment to increase. At the end of 2006, it was almost two years later, and I, I just knew that it was time for a change. I moved to North Carolina. I knew that I wanted to attend Hope. And I started going with a roommate of mine and I didn't expect to feel as welcomed as I did. It wasn't long before I felt God was calling me to serve and to take a more active role. I surrounded myself with Christian friends and I started asking questions and I felt like that's when I started to grow spiritually. One of the series that I felt impacted me was the sermon series on forgiveness. And Pastor Mike had talked about you know, how we were forgiven and what the power of forgiveness can do and how you can break free from that bondage. And I think I learned, I learned what forgiveness was and why you should forgive, but I still didn't feel like I should forgive the man who hit me. He didn't apologize and he didn't ask for forgiveness and I didn't feel like he d- deserved it. I didn't want a relationship with Him in the future, so I didn't think that that it really applied to me. I didn't I didn't think that of the people in my life that He was the one that I should forgive. That sermon series really made me realize the burden that I was carrying, and that the bitterness and resentment that I was holding in was weighing me down, and it wasn't affecting Him, it wasn't hurting Him, it was hurting me, and it was holding me back from making Lasting relationships. I felt a huge change in myself after that series, and I remember telling a friend of mine that I had to start praying while I was in the shower because I would cry every time. And I started to realize the power of prayer. And through all of that, I felt like it was God's way of saying, "I've got this. Just trust me, and just put your faith in me." And I feel like he wanted me to stop looking back and to start moving forward and the power of prayer was one of the ways that I felt like I could do that and instead of hating the man who hit me, I started to pray for him and I feel like the power of forgiveness and the power of prayer together is what made me transform. I felt like my walk in faith started on the day of the accident, I just didn't know it at the time and that's why I wanted to be baptized on January 20th. I was able to share my story with the church at Sunday at 5, and after that, everyone kept telling me how brave I was and thanking me, and I just hoped that I could reach someone with my story and that people would understand what the power of forgiveness can do. Every time I looked in the mirror, I saw scars and pieces of glass that were still lodged in my face, and it was daily reminders of pain and suffering and days that I could never get back. And today the scars are still there and the pieces of glass are still lodged in my face. But today they're daily reminders of love and healing and forgiveness.
0: So what do you do? You have heard it said, hate your enemies. But Jesus says, I tell you, pray for those who persecute you. See, prayer is a God-honoring place to start. And then as God works in your heart, there will come a point in time, and it may be a process. It may not happen immediately. It may happen immediately. But at some point, you're going to recognize, you know what? As I've been forgiven by the power of God, by the Holy Spirit living inside of me, I can choose to forgive. You know, what I love about the word forgive in the Greek language is what it literally means. It doesn't mean to sweep it under the rug. It means to hurl it away, to cast it away from you. It's not pretending like it didn't happen. It's not explaining it away. It's hurling that poison as far away from you as you possibly can. It's to rid it from your life. How do you do this? In Colossians 3.13, Paul says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. He tells us to bear with each other. For some people, it takes a little more grace to bear with them than others. How do you do it? How do you do it when you've been so hurt? How do you do it when you've been betrayed? How do you do it when it feels like every bit of trust has just been ripped out of your heart? You forgive as the Lord forgave you. In the same way that our good God has given us what we don't deserve, what we could never, ever earn, that's the same way that we forgive others. Pastor Andy Stanley says it well, in the shadow of my hurt, forgiveness feels like a decision to reward my enemy. But in the shadow of the cross, forgiveness is merely a gift from one undeserving soul to another. We don't deserve it and we could never earn it. So we give it as we have received it. You know, how many relationships could be healed if we were truly able to think of it this way? How many fathers and sons could just embrace one another and say, I forgive you. I forgive you, dad. I forgive you, son. What if mothers and daughters could hurl it away and let those words be in the past and forgive as Jesus has forgiven? What if husbands and wives, yes, adultery is grounds for divorce. Yes, it is. But it's also grounds for forgiveness. So what if in the same way that Jesus has forgiven us, by the power of the Holy Spirit in us, we could have the grace to forgive somebody else? How many people could be freed? Now, Jesus, he wasn't being overbearing, mean, harsh, or lacking empathy when he loved us toward forgiveness. He was doing it to help us heal, to help us be free. Dave Willis said, holding a grudge doesn't make you strong. It makes you bitter. Forgiving doesn't make you weak it sets you free. So again, let me tell you what Jesus didn't say. He didn't say, I'll forgive you, but you don't have to forgive other people. He didn't say, you can treat others however you like, and and we're good. We're okay. No. A lack of forgiveness, it hurts your relationship with those people. It hurts your ongoing relationship here on earth with your heavenly Father. But here's the good news. Forgiveness empowers you to set the prisoner free, only to realize that the prisoner was you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you first and foremost that the kind of forgiveness that has to do with eternity, with the gift of salvation, <clears throat> is free of charge It's not dependent on our ability to forgive others. It's been given to you through Jesus Christ. And there is no condemnation for those who put their faith in you. That one day when we stand before you, all that will be wiped away, wiped clean. So we thank you for that. But we also want to acknowledge that there is a relational forgiveness here. That if we choose to hold on to bitterness and hurt and betrayal and anger, and all those things, we choose not to forgive, then it's going to block our relationship with those people. It's going to block our relationship with you, that you're just not going to hurl that away from us or cast that away from us. It's going to interfere with our fellowship with you because ultimately you want us to forgive for our own good. So God, I pray that we would learn how to forgive others, to not hold on to that bitterness, to not keep ourselves locked in that prison of offense, to be able to let it go, to throw it away from us, because you have done that for us. Ultimately, in Christ Jesus, you have forgiven us, and we thank you for that. And God, we don't want any barrier in our fellowship with you here on earth. We don't want anything holding us back from growing in our walk with you. So God, help us to search our lives, help us to uncover any kind of grudges, any kind of unforgiveness in our hearts, and give that to you. Turn that person over to you to forgive as you've forgiven us. It's in Jesus' name we pray.